Good, cool. All right, so good. All right, and we are live. What is up, everybody? We are here for live stream, Data on Kubernetes Community live stream number 129. We're kind of in this limbo mode where we've been saying 129, 130. It doesn't matter what the point is that it's high quality content coming to you as always. <laughs> we will be having, of course, if you haven't signed up for the DOK, virtual DOK day that we'll be doing on May 16th, I will drop the link here so you can do that. Uh, you'll see the whole schedule on there and then you'll be able to register through the CNCF website. It's absolutely free. You just got to add it to your, to your KubeCon registration. So you definitely want to check out all the stuff going on there. In the meantime, as usual, we have high quality content as we always do. And that brings me to our, our guest who is no stranger to our community. Um, Barack works at a really, really cool startup called Ioneer. Barack, for the people who don't know you, can, what should they know about you? What, what, how would you like to introduce yourself? Um, first of all, hi, Bob. Hi, everyone. Hey. Um, I think the, uh, um, um, in the past, my entire career was uh, around you know, cloud and data center and IT technologies. And um, um, I think you know, that, that's my speciality, customer roles, working with customers on, on you know, uh, solving complex problems in their infrastructure with, with technology. I think that's what excites me. And this is, you know, what I've been doing for the past almost 20 years. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my background and speciality, let's say, in, in one sentence. That's good. And, and, and a thing that's very important to our community, which you absolutely are aligned with, is putting the end user at the center. You know, like, it's one thing to be in a lab and to be imagining how this technology is going to do this or that. When you actually have to sit down with somebody and troubleshoot, it totally changes. I mean... And I think that, what do you think that, you know, just as a starter question, what are some of the things that people could improve when it comes to being more empathetic with, with end users, when it comes to being customer facing, what are some of your techniques that you have used that have worked? Uh, I think that in most, in most cases, um, uh, you see that, you know, um, in the industry, let's say, so sometimes, you know, people are approaching with the technology first and not with, you know, trying to understand. So usually, you know, in customers' meetings or even partners or anyone in the industry, it doesn't have to be a customer even, um, you know, you always ask questions and listen and, and try to, you know, um, 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 learn from them. So I think that the top thing for everyone, and I think it's very descriptive for the Kubernetes community uh, in general, the learning aspect, the, the learning from each other, the learning, uh, you know, the, the exploration and so on. This is what I like in this world, to be honest, because not everything is like said by, like huge market trend vendors that are saying, this is how you have to do things, uh, um, uh, which has been describing the old world, let's say. Um, uh, but I think that the Kubernetes space in general is, is, a, is a, you know, it's, it's a great ground for innovation and learning. And, and, and this is, you know, the, the top thing that uh, this uh, community brings up. Good. Solid answer, really liked it. Like you said, asking questions, being willing to, to learn new things and explore new things. That being said, today we're gonna to be talking about cloud and database operations. What does that mean exactly? Correct. So um, I really wanted to do something that is um, at least, uh, you know, has like few values in means of, you know, who's listening to this session. I, I really wanted to start with, you know, kind of the basics. Um, of, you know, um, 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 as we all probably know, databases is one of like the first class citizens uh, to run a data on Kubernetes. It's like the go-to workloads, let's say, is, uh, you know, day one value for Kubernetes. But uh, I really wanted to, uh, um, to have some sort of like a talk that walks through the basics of how you address data and how you, 
manage those layers inside of Kubernetes, kind of like the infrastructure look of things, mm -hmm. uh, and then travel, uh, you know, upwards in the in the technology stack. Let's say to how databases are done, how databases are done, you know, in the cloud in general, and what's the problem that most customers try to solve with that approach, and how um, at least we see the market transitioning from. Um, um, some services that specifically maybe databases as well, but in general movement from um, um, let's say cloud uh, lock-in vendors kind of solutions towards Kubernetes that allows you this breadth of technology and multi-cloud um, and the other benefits that, that Kubernetes actually brings the, to, to, to customers. So um, I wanted to touch also on that aspect as well to see, you know, uh, uh, you know what's the trends and, and and a little bit you know share with what I've heard from our customers and some of the you know the partners that we talk uh, throughout this field as well um, and and yeah and some you know uh, if, if there are any questions um, you know uh, um, I guess you're gonna uh, call them out so well, feel free to stop me at any point it's this is not like a, uh, I don't have my speech lined up this is just you know I'm trying to uh, um, share my knowledge and share my experience and you know observations. Uh, most more than happy if somebody disagrees and we can you know uh, create a conversation out of it. It's always a, a good ground for you know uh, uh, for learning, um, and that's that's about it. No, that sounds great. Okay. And having had you as a speaker before, very practical, down to earth, and you're a great teacher. So, like I said, folks, if you've got questions, you can leave them on YouTube. You can also take the conversation to Slack. Barack is very easy to talk to you and very open minded. Uh, so that being said. If you want to start sharing your screen, we can take it from there. Sure. Okay. Uh, I'm going to share my screen and let's see if it works well for the first time. Yeah, usually it's a dual screen and Zoom is not the best friends, but I think Got it. that works well. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll try. I'll even try something. Uh, no, I'll just do it like this. I wanted to do, you know, there's a, there's a feature in Zoom that you can have your um, video like, uh, you know, embedded in the presentation, but I just thought it's probably going to crash my uh, laptop. So that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I decided to let it go. Um, so again, hi everyone. This is, uh, this is me, um, uh, Barack here. Um, and as, as uh, Bob mentioned, I'm going to a little bit talk about data and databases in, in Kubernetes and in cloud in general, and a little bit how it looks in the Kubernetes, um, you know, ecosystem. Um, so, Let's start. Uh, in general, so as I mentioned before, I'm I'm want to break down a little bit of um, you know how data is represented uh, specifically in Kubernetes clusters. I'm going to touch um, you know a little bit about uh, you know the CSI driver flows and workflow. Let's say how data is actually um, requested and served, or you can look at it as provisioned and mounted. Uh, on Kubernetes or for Kubernetes pods, all the way from the you know the application level to the uh, underlying infrastructure. So I'm going to touch briefly about uh, um, you know that process. Uh, we're going to talk about different uh, uh, you know um, data services that actually you know uh, um, um, data related uh, workloads need from the infrastructure and why we use data and what is the benefit of uh, of uh, you know presenting data to pods. Um, and we're going to move briefly up the, uh, you know, the, um, up the chain, uh, talk a little bit about, um, you know, uh, um, how distributed systems or how, you know, uh, um, consensus is met in different distributed models. I didn't want to make a, you know, a talk specifically about this. So I'm going to present some concepts, some buzzwords, um, 
something that to keep in mind when you uh, you know uh, think about um, 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 moving your databases from whatever to Kubernetes, uh, or in general, you know, data related um, uh, workloads to distributed systems like Kubernetes. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, talk about you know the alternatives that we have. Um, let's say that we have right now in means of I'm going to move this out here. Uh, in means of um, uh, um, you as a customer or or whatever as a cloud engineer, what's the options and know a little bit about the uh, trend that we're seeing um, in means of the platform for databases. We'll talk about it uh, a bit and some scaling options and ideas that I have pulled up together uh, uh, at the last slide about you know um, aspects of things of our operating data in the cloud itself. Um, so I'm gonna jump right into it. So that was a big intro. Um, so for the first part of it, if you remember, I wanted to briefly touch about you know, how we are uh, or how a pod, and this is like a very, uh, you know, let's say elaborated slide. So I'm gonna try to walk you through this. Uh, so I understand the flow, but in the, in essence, you know, the high level, uh, the upper side is the application side. This is for example, Postgres as a representative for a workload um, that is run uh, inside of a pod, right? And this part is, uh, you know, just uh, 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 the application level of things. And we're gonna walk through, you know, the breakdown or the abstraction that Kubernetes actually make together with the CSI drivers and plugins, uh, all the way to what actually is, um, uh, um, um, let's say the backend or the infrastructure for that specific data point. Um, so I'm gonna walk this through, try to stay with me if something is not, uh, clear, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll have another, I have another hidden slide that makes it a little bit, a little bit more um, uh, um, flow wise, but in general, we have our Postgres pod, which is actually, you know, you download the uh, Docker image or, uh, you know, from Docker Hub or whatever your repo is. And that pod is actually, you know, it's that, that, that content is actually immutable. It's just a registry. Uh, uh, it's come from the registry. This is just the pod that runs the service of Postgres. And then actually, uh, uh, you know, inside of that pod, you can see, uh, you know, the mount points. This is like the basic of Linux of how you, you know, um, mount devices to, uh, um, to a specific, uh, um, 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 we can call it like operating system, but this is abstracted like we do in virtualization, but the same uh, for Kubernetes. So the, the pod or the Postgres doesn't really know that it runs inside of Kubernetes or what other, you know, uh, operating system that is running it. You have the file system level. This is like the high level uh, um, um, uh, connectivity that the app does. So it just writes to files, for example, uh, and creates files and, and so on and so on. Uh, and then if you go one layer below that, you have the devices uh, that are mounted inside to that pod. Um, and these, these are, you know, in general, the uh, uh, where the data is actually persistent. So this is how we redirect data out of the Know, the ephemeral content of the pod, and we redirect that data using that mount to a different location. And this location is provided by, uh, you know, um, 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 uh, PVC. And I, I don't want to make it like the basic, what is a PVC and what is a PV? So I assume most people know about it, but if not, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, information out there about specifically what each, um, uh, component is or which uh, each resource is, but in general, the PVC is something that is representing 
the request for the storage, let's say, or the request for the data. Uh, and that is, you know, satisfied by a PV. And once these two uh, components are aligned, the request and the system says that this is what answers that specific request, you've got a, you got a, um, um, a status that is called like a bound. So a PV is bound to a PVC. And then actually, uh, uh, you know, the system is, is, is able to start working and writing to that PV. So all up until this level, everything is like abstracted and completely uh, uh, um, in the world of Kubernetes, right? So everything is uh, a resource within Kubernetes. And what actually, um, you know, is interesting as part of this CSI uh, revolution that happened a few years back uh, is the fact that we can have, uh, um, you know, uh, um, um, components that satisfy this PV with something that is completely abstracted as well. So for example, at this level, uh, uh, once the PV, the PVC is represented and the system needs to provide a PV to answer to it, there's a certain, uh, um, uh, you know, um, um, stages and steps and processes that are actually happening within the Kubernetes clusters and have like two phases, right? So one phase is towards the PVC and towards the abstraction level. And the other phase or the other way is, is towards the physical uh, uh, world, let's say. Or the virtual wide, the virtualized world depends, you know, where you run, um, and that creates that resource to be satisfied. So all the way to the PV, it's all like abstracted, and then in the back end, what you're getting is a CSI node plugin that you know talks to your storage vendor, for example, your external provisioner, and that attaches that uh, PV object to something that is, you know, on the physical world, a specific volume. It can be, you know. Uh, an EBS volume, it can be, uh, you know, uh, whatever storage vendor that you work in your environment. Um, and in the back end, outside of this, you know, all the way down Apple T here, this is in the Kubernetes world, and this is the storage world. So the storage world, which is like external to the Kubernetes abstraction, you have multiple um, data services or data uh, uh, specific tasks that are happening on the storage level, which can be like deduplication, replication, uh, making sure that you know the storage is highly available or sharing the uh, uh, volume between multiple nodes. For example, if you're not running any like shared storage solution, every um, uh, PV that you create can be satisfied by the local node uh, uh, file system, for example. And then you're just using, you know, uh, um, uh, host the host deers or empty deers or whatever you, you you configure in your environment you're using that from only from that specific node and then if you want if your pod needs to be um, uh, rescheduled or you have a dr uh, ha scenario or whatever uh, then this data is ephemeral and this is exactly what you know data on kubernetes or you know uh, um, um, the whole world of, of csi and, and kubernetes native data or storage, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of acronyms specifically for that. Uh, but in essence, this is, you know, the problem that we're trying to solve. And, and the CSI mechanism is what helps us, you know, talk in a specific, uh, um, you know, same language, same request. There are, I don't want to go into the specific details about, you know, you, how you uh, publish a volume and, 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 you know, how you mount the volume directly to the pod, but that is like the magic that Kubernetes and CSI does together. Uh, but the good thing to understand here is that you have like two systems that are um, uh, uh, working together 
um, uh, throughout this CSI uh, plugin, and they talk together, you know, in a, in a very uh, slick way. So there's no hiccups. You know, the 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 Kubernetes knows what to ask with the PVCs and storage classes, and the service and the uh, storage size knows how to respond and how to satisfy that request based on all these uh, metrics as well. Um, so that's that's the that's the flow again from from the higher abstraction level, the application. You know, most of the Kubernetes world, we're talking about the application layer, and we don't necessarily, um, I don't want to say care, but we don't necessarily understand or plan uh, um, the underlying infrastructure uh, um, good enough in most situations. Uh, so this is why I wanted to uh, break it down. But in essence, you know. Um, uh, why we need a data platform, why we need a data solution for workloads. This is very similar to what we're doing in, uh, you know, um, in VMs world or, or, or even, you know, bare metal world, you know, data is uh, what brings you persistency and you need, uh, you know, uh, data helps you to do high availability and backup and restores and, you know, ransomwares, which you hear about it a lot from the, uh, uh, you know, from the backup and the uh, um, uh, recovery uh, industry as well, if you know about, you know, those kind of vendors as well. Um, and of course, um, data is actually, um, I'm not going to say what's important in the infrastructure, but data is, we see that data is what brings, you know, uh, uh, companies the uh, competitive advantage. You know, this is like the sensitive um, and most valuable assets that most, uh, you know, companies have their data or, you know, um, um, and the workloads that revolve around data. And we see that, um, you know, um, um, running Kubernetes without data is like, you know, dancing in two parties. It's, it's, a, it's a phrase in, in Hebrew. I don't know if that translates uh, well uh, to English, but dancing in two parties. that's the nice part of this community is that we get the <laughs> cultural richness from different exactly, languages. Exactly. So we have a phrase that is called, you know, dance in two weddings. It's very hard to do that in a single night, let's say. Um, so a lot of talent. Yeah. 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 So unless they are, you know, you're, you're from both sides or I don't know, never mind. Um, uh, so yeah, so that's why we want to, uh, you know, create Kubernetes as the, the platform to run, uh, you know, uh, all the workloads for the enterprise. And this is why we need data also, or data systems in Kubernetes to make sure that we have a unified approach and a unified way to look at our infrastructure and to protect it and to make sure you know that you have uh, high availability not only for your you know nginx and front ends but also for your databases in the same way uh, and this is what uh, or this is the problem or this is the uh, challenge that we are trying to solve specifically in INA, but there's a lot of vendors again uh, out there in the industry um, and 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 in essence if you if you look at this it's like the top things that data can actually help in the Kubernetes platform or the Kubernetes space. Uh, uh, and of course, um, uh, when we talk cloud and we talk multi-cloud and in a multi-environment, we see that in a lot of environments with, with our customers, they, because Kubernetes is so easy to create or you know, deploy and manage and use and operate, uh, then uh, um, you know, uh, customers are, have like multiple environments, they have you know, on-prem and in the cloud or they have multiple you know, um, uh, stages and life cycles of uh, um, of environments from test, prod, or whatever. You know, sometimes even in an upgrade process, it's far more easier to just create a new Kubernetes clusters and move your workloads instead of actually, you know, um, 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 upgrade and maintenance and, and run maintenance and 
you know, uh, run these all these day to uh, uh, system level operations on, on Kubernetes. So we see all these aspects as, you know, our data, uh, this is like the, the field that data actually plays and, and this can give you like benefit that to do it in the infrastructure level uh, rather than, um, uh, you know, implement or implementing in, in costly and other complex solutions uh, out there. So I mentioned briefly about, you know, what it means to run data on top of Kubernetes. So this is like uh, um, um, what we expect from, a let's say, a, 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 a data management platform on top of Kubernetes. It's very, very basic, high level. We got the Kubernetes platform here. Um, uh, in essence, what you need is a solution that aggregates your local physical resources and abstracts them and presents them to the Kubernetes layer. It doesn't matter if it's local storage or external storage. Um, the purpose of a data uh, solution for Kubernetes, it needs to be talking the Kubernetes uh, um, um, uh, language and it needs to be you know, distributed, it needs to be uh, easy and fast to consume. You have to be descriptive in the way that you use it. You have to, you know, to work with the CSI and the PVC, PV model that I mentioned before. Uh, and this is what we want to bring into the play. Um, so um, I'm going to take a brief stop on this. I don't know if there's questions, Bart, do you want to maybe something? Sorry, sorry, that was getting to my mic. No, no, yeah, is the thing is, is that obviously great layout and really well establishing the scene. When you're meeting with a customer, I mean, how do you go about the process of figuring out exactly where they're out with all this kind of stuff? What kind of, I don't know if you want to call it diagnostics to make sure that, that, they're, that they're prepared to make the decisions that they're going to be making. Just because sometimes these things for, I imagine for some folks that we, we saw in the research report is that everyone's kind of at a different maturity level when it comes to talking about data on Kubernetes. So what are the things that you seem to encounter there and how do you approach figuring out exactly where they're at with all this. Yeah, so um, uh, in essence, you know, what we see is that there's so many, first of all, uh, I'm gonna talk a bit briefly about it later, but um, we see um, customers are far more open or understanding the value or the position of Kubernetes as the next generation platform. Uh, so we see customers that are actually, you know, um, willing and interested uh, in solutions to uh, uh, you know to, to move databases or to move data, heavy data workloads towards Kubernetes, um, and this is this is like the conversation starter that we have with most customers. They um, either they want to um, 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 let's say modernize their existing environment, and we see there's another trend here. Uh, I didn't plan to talk about it, but I guess it's it's also relevant to this talk as well. Uh, uh, in the world of Kubevert where you know customers are we see that a little bit you know uh, more and more in the market today um, customers that are actually planning or thinking about running virtual machines together with uh, pods or kubernetes pods or um, uh, let's say old school pods if you can say um, together on the same platform and today there's a um, um, there's a um, i'm gonna call it like an open source but there are different vendors that are uh, running this in enterprise and commercial uh, solutions as well, like Kubver, that actually allows you to run VMs together with um, um, and pods on the same Kubernetes platform. And that is a bit of a shift in how customers are looking at Kubernetes for understanding, okay, wow, now I can run all of my workloads on top of Kubernetes and get the same benefits for VMs uh, on top of Kubernetes. And then really the storage and the data conversation 
uplift from you know ephemeral usages and stuff like that to more you know databases and and, and transactional loads kind of, of workloads and this is really pushing you know customers to um, uh, uh, to explore running data in Kubernetes. The other thing is cost and operation costs and simplifying that as well. Uh, we see customers that um, um, are really interested in kind of a hybrid uh, approach, whereas they're running their uh, let's say primary databases on, 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 on instances or VMs, but their test and dev environments, they want to run that in something that is you know, less costly and easier to configure and run. And then they're looking for Kubernetes as uh, you know, they're probably running whatever tests and devs already in Kubernetes. Uh, and they want to present that as part of the uh, platform as well. So there's a lot of like work streams or um, you can call it like, uh, uh, you know, uh, tailwinds for, for, for data on Kubernetes. Um, Specifically, when we talk about you know databases, then this is you know this is like the first class citizen. As I said, customers are you know going to that first um, because it, it makes sense also to bring your application or your front end closer with your back end in means of operation, in means of technology stack, in means of you know managing this in all in one uh, platform. There's a lot of you know power in it. Got it. Good. Like you said, there are some things you're going to be mentioning a little bit later on, so we can we can yeah. kind of we can kind of connect that uh, a little bit later. Yeah, perfect. Um, so I, that that's that's the storage side, data side. I want to, as I mentioned, move uh, you know a little bit higher in means of uh, um, 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 the conversation or technology level. Move from the infrastructure more to the application or you know the application connectivity. Let's say. Um, um, so there's a few concepts here. I just want to make sure that everybody is, uh, you know, uh, knowing this, and this is also um, important to understand when you design distributed systems and, and, and data in specific and databases in more even specific um, uh, way. Um, then we're talking a few things. I'm going to walk briefly uh, around this um, just to introduce this. Um, first of all, we have something that is called like the CAP theorem, the CAP, which, which talks about like the three major concerns or the three major, uh, um, 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 let's say, characteristics of, um, of your data or your data approach services. Uh, in high level, it means about consistency, availability, and partitioning. So consistency is how data is consistent or kept consistent. Availability is what happens, you know, uh, uh, if some connectivity is broken, uh, uh, or let's say that, that how you address high availability in means of uh, you know nodes running in your cluster, and partitioning is how you you know operate in a network failure, kind of a split brain or kind of a, a, that kind of connectivity. And, and, and the, the the concept is that you can only pick kind of two. There's no perfect solution that operates you know in a utopian world where you can have consistency and availability and, and you know, partitioning aware, let's say, uh, a solution other. So you have to pick two. And depends on how you pick them, uh, that will um, um, uh, define the solution that you, uh, that you will, uh, let's say, uh, pick or run or, you know, design for your environment. Um, and of course, uh, um, you know, uh, um, um, it all plans to. It all goes down to how you want to plan on disaster recovery or high availability or you know run consistency in your cluster. There's like specifically we talk about databases. There are some databases that are more built for 
uh, you know, the availability or making sure that the data is more consistent. Uh, and there's some databases that are eventually consistent. There's different like metrics there when you pick up your uh, uh, data related solution. Uh, so that's on the cap theorem. So this is like this, the uh, how you balance consistency and availability and uh, uh, partitioning in your environment. Um, the right side of the slide or the left, I don't know if that, how you see that on Zoom, uh, it, it talks about, you know, how you meet consensus or the concept of consensus is how you make sure that uh, in a distributed system or a distributed environment, uh, uh, all nodes are agreeing or um, uh, making sure that uh, uh, they're all in line to the same data. And this is very important in databases uh, specifically. Uh, but in essence, I just wanted to talk about, you know, the concept of um, uh, Raft for a couple of minutes. Uh, Raft is about, it's like a kind of a protocol. This is like the leading it, leading uh, protocol right now. Um, uh, and, and Paxos is just a, a, a mutation of Raft. It's based on Raft as well. Uh, and, and you can talk, look at it in a very uh, simple way uh, that has leaders and followers. So this is like the bottom down of Raft. You have in, in all of your cluster, let's say you have a 10 node. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a database or not. It could be any data related workload. Um, and and uh, um, you have your nodes and these nodes need to uh, um, um, give an answer to a specific question, right? So uh, in essence, Raft talked about the allocation of leaders and followers. And then if you ask a question for a, you know, a, um, um, a specific follower, it will make sure you know, you got the right consensus in, your, in, in the environment. Uh, and it talks also about how leader election is actually done. There's like a few metrics about it, depends on latency or you know, availability and so on and so on, different metrics around that world about leading election, leader election. Uh, but in essence, all nodes talk to each other. There is a leader that is the final, or let's say it's the uh, uh, single source of truth. Uh, and there's different consensus mechanism in the back end. It can be, you know, based on majority. It can be based on, you know, uh, the entire node uh, um, network needs to, uh, you know, to, to be completely in sync before you give a specific answer. Uh, but in essence, you know, this is how Raft is 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 uh, um, making sure that when you ask a specific question, you're getting the absolutely right answer and not something that might be, you know, not true or, you know, true at a fraction of a second, for example. Um, so this is, you know, how data is kept consistency uh, across nodes with this specifically. And there's a different kind of uh, uh, um, uh, protocols and, 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 and way of actually transferring this consensus between uh, specific, uh, um, uh, so each product or each solution does it in a different way. There's like gossip protocols, which is like a chatter between the nodes. There's something that is more uh, structured, whereas you have your primary and your secondary ones. Um, and there's like uh, different protocols that, that arbitrate or, or move this data around or this consensus around the nodes. Uh, and this is just a high level, you know, kind of, uh, um, um, you know, things that you need to keep in mind when you're picking a specific data workload. So if I go a bit higher in that stack, then we have our databases, which are like the major data consuming world. And we have a lot of like, well, I don't know, like a lot of uh, uh, flavors out there. Uh, this is like the open source one. 
uh, in most of them. Uh, and, and of course, each cloud provider as well has its own flavor of this, um, let's say, uh, um, open source solutions where they do the maintenance and they do the upgrades and so on and so on. Uh, but in essence, these are the top, uh, um, um, I think I got it from, uh, from Docker Hub. Yeah, this is from, from Docker Hub. Uh, the images that are mostly downloaded for databases um, that are used, you know, in, in the Kubernetes space. And of course, we have the commercial uh, ones as well, which are the Oracle and the SQL and also MySQL is uh, Oracle one. Um, um, but these are like the top players in this world. I want to touch briefly about, you know, um, uh, so running databases, as I mentioned, there's a lot of uh, uh, importance on data consistency, on availability, on scaling and managing them and making sure that not only, um, uh, you're not only just throwing a pod with a database uh, um, a process running on it, you have to make sure that the entire database layer is synchronized and managed. And for this, uh, specifically in the world of databases, it's a very, uh, you know, it's very key or it's a very important to have uh, an operator-led approach. Whereas, uh, um, again, this is like a high-level one-on-one uh, deck. I don't want to go too deep into what is an operator, but in essence, uh, uh, this is a way to make sure that, uh, you know, uh, let's say sensitive workloads and specific data is very, very sensitive. You cannot just, you know, move around data without making sure that it's not corrupted or not consistent and so on and so on. Um, uh, so an operator was, uh, uh, is a key and a most crucial component when you're running databases on top of Kubernetes. Uh, and in essence, it, uh, it, it, I think there were a lot of sessions in the DOK about operators specifically for databases. Uh, so I'm not gonna try and compete with that. Um, and, but in essence, uh, uh, the, the, the operator is there to make sure that uh, this machine of database pods or database workloads are, are um, easily configured. Uh, um, um, a lot of tasks that are operational tasks are maintained within that operator. So if you wanna scale, if you wanna upgrade, if you wanna change version, and if you wanna you know, uh, even have like advanced monitoring and have like specific best practices, you're getting that from that package, that you know, that database package. So there's like multiple um, 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 providers out there for operators, um, and 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 this is the right way to deploy, let's say, a, a, a production-wise or production-ready enterprise-grade databases on Kubernetes. I've tried, you know, in the past before the operator uh, world was. Uh, uh, um, um, strong as it is today, I try to run databases, uh, and every time you have to upgrade or change or move the workload, uh, that could create corruption and, and problem in your data, uh, in your database. So, so operators are, I think, they are the facto um, standard today. Um, and this is, you know, uh, where you start when you're running um, um, databases of Kubernetes. But what's interesting, or even more interesting, um, is that the operator world is very, very similar to what you see in the cloud, or let's say the, uh, um, um, I would call it like the cloud native databases today, not Kubernetes container native, but cloud native. So if you want to run your you know, Aurora or, or DynamoDB or whatever, the service that they are bringing is very, very similar to what an operator actually brings. So they will bring you scaling, easy provisioning, 
you know, um, um, some support metrics, best practices, they are very, very similar. And I think, and this is what we learned together with our customers that um, because the cloud native database world came out um, a lot sooner than actually Kubernetes reached a maturity level, then a lot of customers, when they went to cloud, they went to these kind of services. So they went to the Redshift, you know, uh, Aurora, whatever, RDS for Postgres, for example, uh, because that was the option to actually, or what that was the, the easiest option and the less uh, uh, costly means of operation option out there uh, for them to just, you know, offload and hand out their databases for somebody else to maintain. Um, and now we're starting to see a lot of customers that are um, starting to, um, I don't want to say question that, but they are more open to, um, let's call it like a database as a service on top of Kubernetes because the operators are getting in, uh, getting to a very mature level uh, where they are almost, almost you know, head to head with what uh, the cloud providers are bringing. And then if you own the Kubernetes space and you have your operator that is almost the same as, let's say, uh, what you're getting from, uh, uh, from the cloud provider, then this is like another barrier that has dropped down when customers want to uh, uh, or look at Kubernetes as a platform of choice. And then you get the benefits of Kubernetes, which is like, you know, simple, you can do multi-cloud uh, and the abstraction level of it. And you can run, you know, whatever you want today on Google and tomorrow move to AWS and there's no lock-in and performance is something that you can uh, maybe control easier. Um, and, and there's a lot of visibility into that. Um, and, and that's, that's an, 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 as I mentioned in the intro, this is like a, an interesting take that we see from customers today. Uh, um, and they are looking to, uh, let's say, redesign or uh, rethink the way that they do data on cloud and move it to data on Kubernetes. Uh, so this is a very important point. And as I mentioned, the, the uh, database operator world is something that is very, 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 um, 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 let's say, uh, uh, growing and getting stronger. This is just a, you know, high level operators that you have uh, in the market today uh, for the top, uh, this is like the top three that I could have find, you know, most customers conversation, they either use either one of these uh, technologies. Um, and, and there are very solid, stable, mature, uh, you know, operators that brings you most of these uh, um, services uh, on top of Kubernetes for these specific workload. So, so the community of that is also very, very growing. Um, but the point that I, um, um, I want to try and kind of, you know, fold all the story towards is the fact that, you know, um, this is just the databases side. And as we mentioned, Kubernetes is the platform for your entire workload. And sometimes, you know, when, uh, uh, when you have uh, 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 let's say an enterprise application, it's not only a single database or database even technology, you have multiple databases, multiple data oriented workloads that are running, maybe it's Elasticsearch and CouchDB and Postgres and Mongo all serving the same application. So sometimes you can get stuck with a lot of operators uh, to actually you know, maintain and manage and each operator has its own um, um, let's say uh, uh, um, expertise or its own language or its own way of thinking. Uh, so this is why, um, you know, towards, uh, you know, uh, closure again, I think that is very interesting, very important to try to think of, uh, you know, a joint kind of 
um, uh, um, um, model where you can have your uh, uh, Kubernetes native data layer, which we talked about it, the basic, the infrastructure, uh, managing the disk, managing resiliency, managing high availability uh, on the infrastructure side and connect that also to the high level operators world. So uh, when you take the, the good of both worlds, you can get a lot of benefits specifically we're talking about um, high availability and scaling in multi-cloud. Uh, these are the places where if you run only operator without, um, uh, 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 let's say a very strong um, uh, data platform below that, sometimes um, specific tasks like scaling can take a lot of time uh, because if you can think about it, if I'm connecting both worlds, if you want to scale a specific database, uh, um, um, you can see that online. Uh, in most cases, it's based on you know backup and restore of a specific volume. And if you have a very big database, that can take time. That can take you know uh, uh, there's a lot of like uh, extra work that you're doing, uh, uh, maybe paying for for a third party kind of uh, placement for your backups and so on and so on. But if you have a data platform that is on top of your nodes, you can do that with, you know, with cloning, for example, or you can move that between clusters, or you have high availability, uh, you know, um, as part of your infrastructure, you don't have to invest and build high availability in each of the application uh, levels that you have, you're getting, uh, you know, a good enough solid high availability uh, uh, solution from your software development, uh, uh, the storage, uh, thanks. Um, from the storage side of things. Um, so, um, and, and, and that, that's it. Sorry, somebody just came in the room. Um, that's okay. So you get, These things happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's lower live. Yeah, exactly. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, this is how, how we, uh, even though it's like 7 p.m. here, or almost 8, uh, still people are running around the office. Um, so, so just to close the things together, right? So when you want to run both of all these things together, you can get like, high availability and resiliency out of your infrastructure instead of investing in replication and other data copy or data moving uh, operations, let's say. So, um, um, and this is like the way that we like to think when we talk to our customers, they're saying, you know, some basic things or some, you know, uh, um, 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 some technology they would, get, they would rather get from the infrastructure instead of the application level. And this is why it's important. This is why I started from know, from, from top to bottom and from bottom up when, when I did this talk, because everything is like one unified story. There's no, uh, uh, just one side of it. Um, and this is how we, uh, um, um, this is how we see things. And of course, specifically uh, um, um, databases um, enjoy that because they are, you know, if your application needs data then it has to be resilient, it has to be uh, very clear for the application where the, where the data is and not you know, pay for latency and some other uh, things that can come out from unoptimized infra infrastructure or unoptimized deployments. Um, that, that's about it. This is like the, the high level points that I mentioned uh, in this talk are really, uh, if there are any questions, I'm more than happy to, uh, to give my, uh, um, my answers or my view on things, let's say. Yeah, I, I think it was a fit. The thing is, you know, we've been around as a community for about two years, and I wish we had had this presentation two years ago because it lays yeah. out these foundations in such a simple and practical way to approach it. What I would like to know is that when you're talking to customers, because a lot of what we try to explain is like, okay, in order for adoption of data on Kubernetes uh, to increase, 
people inside organizations need to be better prepared about how to have these conversations. And I, with what you laid out, it makes everything very, very clear in terms of the advantages, where things are at now. As you said, operators are reaching a higher level of maturity than previously. But in terms of the doubts that you think are, are occurring in some companies, like, okay, Kubernetes, okay, but you know, data is my mission critical, you know, most valuable thing that I have as an organization. I'm going to keep that out because I don't want to be responsible if something goes wrong. That's one thing that we frequently hear. Is that something that you've encountered? And if, if yes, could you talk about that? And if not, if there are other things, what are the other kind of points of resistance or lingering doubts that you seem to see? Yeah, so I, let's see. So I think that all the, you know, all the surveys and reports that we see and also that we talk with customers, I think Kubernetes is, uh, let, let's just start with a bad thing. It's, it's still complex. It's still, there's a knowledge gap. There's still like, pieces yeah. in the solution that is not 100% the most, you know, even, even, you know, the other alternatives, even if you, if you deployed an AWS in 2012, that wouldn't have been perfect. Right. Uh, but I think the, 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 the pace of, you know, new things that are coming into Kubernetes are making each gap that we see uh, getting answered very, very quickly. Uh, the most pushback that we see from customers is um, either from, you know, operational side of thing. And this is why the operators are very important. So a lot of customers say, you know, I'm running on RDS. I don't want to manage data. Data is complex. Data is, is you know, it's something that is very um, uh, um, um, like, a, like a wild beast and nobody wants to tame and nobody wants to work with. Um, but we see that gradually changes because customers are understanding that uh, uh, what, uh, how they did things like four or five years ago is not the way that they might have, you know, picked today. Uh, and, and, and there are solutions out there to make it easier to, to tame this data beast, for example. Um, so mostly it's from the operational side. Um, I think that the gap of actually running data or, or you know, uh, data workloads on Kubernetes is getting, uh, uh, it's, it's not, I won't say like consensus, but it's getting less pushback. Um, I think that we see, like we saw it in every other industry, we'll start with, uh, um, you know, we talk about databases here today, but there's a ton of other data related workloads that are, you know, um, let's say more or less, less risky to put inside of Kubernetes. So those are, you know, already in, in most cases. Uh, and, and this is, you know, this is like the showtime, right? So I think in, in, in the next, you know, 2022 and 23, that's going to be, you know, the year of uh, data on Kubernetes, uh, because this is it. This is, you know, running. Uh, uh, um, this is how customers are modernizing their infrastructure. We see that, you know, we see uh, um, 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 new workloads are cloud native, and cloud native is getting synonym to be, you know, Kubernetes, uh, and 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 the developers that are learning or learned the values of Kubernetes in the DevOps space, um, they wanna get the same on their production environment. Um, and this is, you know, this is the way that technology matures and moves from, you know, from dev test, you know, uh, um, spaces towards, you know, and then, you know, one morning people say, why isn't it on Kubernetes, right? Why isn't it, it's what like, like in my previous talk, right? In like 10, 15 years ago, people would just woke up one morning and say, why is this workload not on VM? 
right? Mm-hmm. Why are we paying for a physical server? Why are we paying for all this operation, have lifting and all this technology lock-in? Um, and we'll see this history repeating. So people will wake up and say, why are we running this on, I don't wanna, you know, uh, blackface anyone, but why are we running this on AWS? Why, why, why not on Google? Why not on, you know, whatever local provider, you know, uh, uh, um, a cloud provider that is running in that specific country, for example, that's a trend as well. So we see Kubernetes is the interlink between all of these uh, um, uh, places. So, so I think this is like the, uh, the way to go. I agree. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I think like you said as well, too, is that there have been other changes, you know, in the past and, and it's, but these, you know, transitions, people are resistant to change and, and there's, there's can be a lack of understanding. And also from a previous conversation I was having with someone today, you know, the arrival of the stateful set a few years ago, sort of what started opening people's eyes to this possibility. And then from there, we've seen, you know, more and more adoption and, and other ways of, of making it easier. So I think that's, like you said, I think it's, I think yeah. it's well said. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I think that maybe, you know, I'm getting like kind of a mental note for myself here because we talked about the Kubevert world, which is something mm-hmm. that is also connecting between these and sometimes is mitigating that request. We see a lot of customers or even in KubeCon, I think there's a lot of sessions that, you know, customers decided to go that way because it allows them to run still the VMs as something that they know, just to replace the infrastructure to Kubernetes. So maybe that's a good next session to do like Kubernetes uh, with Kubernetes data on, on Kubernetes. That may be interesting as well. That sounds good. Let's get it out in the calendar because like you said, like <laughs> that's, the, that's the trick here. And another thing you mentioned too is, you know, talking about the workloads, traditionally we think about database and storage. Now we're starting to see analytics, streaming, machine learning, you know, AI, these other things are also becoming part of the ecosystem because the general feeling is, well, yeah, it's easier to have everything all in the same place. Let's find a way to make this work. And that's also reassuring to see the stack kind of, we can say get higher, broader, whatever you want to say. But I think mm-hmm. that's, that's also promising in terms of adoption. Yeah. And I think that the breadth of solution probably Google gonna, you know, as you said, like extract and, and, and get smaller as we go and converge. And we're going to see like a few more leaders, uh, uh, you know, moving the market more, but this is what's interesting in our field, right? There's no like one vendor lock-in. This is how you do things. This is how you do mainframe. There's only like, one provider and that's it. There's multiple solutions, each has its own advantages and disadvantages and, and, and this is what moves the market. Yeah, yep, 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 I, I couldn't agree more. Anyway, well, Brock, this has been amazing. Is there anything else that we need to know in terms of Ioneer news or things that's coming up or anything like that that's on the horizon? Uh, nothing, not, nothing special or just, uh, you know, um, uh, we're here if you're interested to having more conversations. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm also running, uh, you know, a product to, to be honest. So. If you're a customer and you you're willing to talk with us, we're very interested to hear about you know, what your challenges and how we can help you out with it. So always open for conversation. This is not, uh, you know, uh, even just you know not not in a commercial way. This is not what uh, interests me. But just learn how to you know uh, think about solutions in you know for, for customers in the future. Yep. Good. Good to know. And like I said, very easy. Perfect. Very easy to find. Um, on our Slack, Twitter, et cetera, LinkedIn, uh, all the stuff will be in there. So thank you very much. We need to start playing the next session about Kubevert. That sounds like a good, a good thing to, to get going. Yeah, yeah. And so, so anyway, thank you very much, Brock. Thank you everybody for joining. And we can always continue the conversation on Slack if you've got any questions, comments, doubts, and we'll, we'll be talking soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks everyone. All Thanks, right. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care.